Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We continue to podcast a Bible study each Wednesday evening for all of those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 for our regular Bible classes. Now, we know there are people listening who are not able to get out necessarily. And we're thankful to be able to use this medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts to be able to help you still get into God's word and still be able to study his word and thereby stay in communication with him. We encourage you also to pray to God because that's the way that you respond to his teachings and the way you respond personally to his work in your life. So, He communicates to us through his word. We communicate with God through prayer. We encourage all who might be in the Omaha area, and that would be the general Omaha area, to come and be with us in person, if you're able, each Wednesday evening at 6.30 for our Bible classes. Sunday morning, Bible classes at 9.30, worship at 10.30, and then Sunday evening worship at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening. We want to encourage you because being with the church is important. God sent his son to this earth, yes, to go to the cross, yes, to be the savior and offer his, his life, physical life as the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. But also part of his mission was to bring Christianity to the world, to mankind, And that would be the fulfillment of God's plan for man's redemption dating all the way back to the first time that man sinned in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning. God's plan for man's redemption was by sending Christ into the world as the Savior and to bring the saving message of the gospel of Christ, Christianity, to all of mankind. Now, part of that plan was to establish the church upon this earth. And Jesus said not even his death on the cross would prevent that from taking place. And so we see how important it is to be a part of and to be with the church as the church comes together to worship God, study his word, and glorify him, but also to serve him as the church. And we really strive to try to be responsible along all of these lines at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Now, we know there are people who listen, though, in other parts of the country and literally around the world, and we're thankful to be able to spread God's Word on such a widespread basis, again, through these podcasts by means of the medium of the Internet. We encourage you to go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and click on the email, I'm sorry, click on the podcast link and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It will always be free. And when you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive on your smart device, whether that's your phone or computer or laptop or pad or tablet or whatever device you might choose, you will automatically receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and you will receive what I really think is a gem. It's a short Bible study every day called Today's Bible Class. It's only about 13 minutes long, 
but it's seven days a week. It'll keep you in God's word. And that's important because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And you'll also receive a Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. Again, all of that will be automatic to your smart device, and it will always be free. So take advantage of that opportunity. Sign up for our podcasting at churchofchrist.com and encourage everyone else you can to do so as well. And as you listen to these studies, share them with everybody you can. Get them into God's Word. You know people who really, and probably you know people who desperately need to turn their spiritual focus in their lives around. Get them into God's Word by sharing these studies with them, with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. And you can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. So we encourage you to take that action, make that commitment, and start doing so right away. We're going to get back into our study in 1 John, and we're looking at chapter 2. Now, I want us to look again at verse 1 in chapter 2. We may have already covered this, but in doing some further study, I, I just wanted to give some more emphasis to what is said in this particular verse, what God has done for us, what Jesus has done for us. In verse 1 of 1 John chapter 2, the apostle John wrote this, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, I believe we've emphasized already that we cannot be living in sin and walking with God in faithfulness and obedience at the same time. Now, living in sin, I'm talking about living in a sinful lifestyle. And really, we really emphasized that and covered that in detail and in repetition in chapter 1. Several times, John brings this out. In verse 5, he says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, in other words, totally righteous, and in him is no darkness, that is, no unrighteousness, no sinfulness at all. And then he goes on in verse 6 and says, If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so John emphasizes we cannot be living in sinfulness. He's not talking about here stubbing our toe here now and then along the way, making a mistake and then repenting of it and seeking God's forgiveness. Now he's talking about living a lifestyle of sin. And right now, our culture is permeated. It is engulfed in various lifestyles of sin. People are living in sin, in sinful lifestyles all around us. And many of them don't see the sinfulness in that, really. But even the ones, some of the ones who do, who, who would say, well, yeah, yeah, I, I understand this. Really, I shouldn't be living this way. But they're doing it anyway. They're get, just giving it a wink and a nod, and they're, and they're continuing to live in that way for various reasons. In many cases, just because they want to. It brings them some kind of satisfaction. Maybe in other cases, they, they think to live a faithful life before God is just too restrictive. They want to do what they want to do. But for many people, God is just not in their head to begin with. 
He's not, they don't think about God. They don't think about faithfulness to God. They don't think about analyzing, am I living in a way that is sinful, that is displeasing to God, that violates his teachings? Well, you see, our culture, again, is becoming more and more engulfed and permeated in sinful lifestyles. People living together outside of wedlock as though they were, they, they were married. People raising children who are not married to each other. People living in various kinds of addictive lifestyles. People trying to explain away some of the sinfulness that is so accepted and has become so normal within our culture, such as abortion, homosexuality, uh, even those who would try to suggest that, that uh, uh, adults preying on children, pedophiles, is normal. It's not normal. It's not natural. It's not godly. It's not righteous. It's abnormal. It is sinful, and we need to recognize it. We need to quit shrinking away from openly declaring sin to be sin, wrong to be wrong. But our culture is trying to re-educate us into thinking that wrong is right. And if we stand up too strongly against sinfulness, against unrighteousness, ungodliness, that somehow we are the evil ones. We are the haters. And that's the devil working behind the scenes to try to change the thinking of our culture. And unfortunately, we have some very influential and very powerful individuals and groups of individuals who are pushing this kind of agenda. And we need to tell them, not for me. I do not buy it. I do not go along. I stand against it. Well, we can't live in sin and walk with God in faithfulness and obedience and be righteous before him at the same time. Now, John says that we have an advocate with the Father, and I believe we've already said that word advocate means we have one who speaks on our behalf, who stands up for us before God, pleads our case. Probably we could think of this description or identity of Jesus on our behalf as being like an attorney pleading our case before a judge, except at a much more spiritual level and a much more godly level. The next verse, when it says, he himself, that is speaking of Christ, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the whole world. That word propitiation is a strange word to us. We don't use it in our common everyday language. In fact, probably we don't use that particular word, most of us, ever in conversation. We probably virtually never, if ever, say that word. And that's not because it's a bad word. It's just a technical word that, that does not come up in our conversation. Now, if we're reading the scriptures we'll come to verses like this, and there, there are only a few of them who 
have that particular word or a form of it in the scriptures. And so we might read it that way. And a lot of times, if we do read it in God's word, we probably scratch our head and we wonder, what does that mean? Well, I want us to really focus on that. The propitiation of our sins by Christ, him being the propitiation for our sins. And a way I've explained this for many years is he's our substitute. The only one at Golgotha who did not deserve to be on one of those crosses, one of those three crosses, was Jesus himself. And he was right on the center cross. The two thieves on either side of him, they were sinners. Jesus was not. But Jesus allowing himself willingly and lovingly, obedient to the Father, to go to that cross and give his physical life thereon as the perfect one-time-for-all-time sacrifice was for the purpose of paying the price for the guilt of our sins. He substituted for us. Now, why did he go to that cross again? Because God sent him there. God the Father sent God the Son to the cross to die to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. And notice that the verse says, but also for the whole world, for the sins of all mankind for all time. Those who have ever lived, those who are living now, those who will ever live until the Lord comes again on the final day of judgment. Now, here's the uniqueness, though, of that term. Again, we'll probably never use it in any kind of ordinary conversation. We'll probably never use it or speak it except when we're reading the Scriptures. And by way of studying what they're saying in those particular verses, and again, there are only a few of them in the New Testament that use this particular word or some form of it, trying to understand, trying to explain it, discuss it back and forth. Those would be the only times probably that we would ever utter this word, propitiation. Well, God sent Jesus. And so when we're talking about God, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God the Son is the propitiation or was the propitiation. He died on that cross. He paid the price for the guilt of our sins. He substituted for us, for our unrighteousness, he became he became sin for us. Now you say, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus never sinned. I never said he, I didn't say he sinned. I said he became sin for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the apostle Paul said, he, that is God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What an incredible verse of scripture. God placed all of the guilt of all of the sins of all mankind on the perfect Savior, the sinless one. Because, again, what have we, re- what have we read in Hebrews chapter 4? That 
Jesus committed no sin. Verse 14, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was perfect. He never sinned, but he died on that cross bearing all of the sins of all mankind who were alive at that time, whoever had lived before that time, whoever would live after that time on this earth. He became sin for us. Now, I I have a difficult time. I can't wrap my mind fully around that. What it must have been like, I would think it must have been repulsive for him, the perfect Savior, God the Son, to bear upon his physical body all of the guilts of all sins that ever would be committed by all of humanity for all time. So he was the propitiation on that cross. He paid the price for our sins. But now, God the Father, God the Son, God was also the propitiator. You see, he sent Jesus to the cross. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God. God was the propitiation and God was the propitiator. He sent his Son to be the sacrifice. His Son was the sacrifice. There was nothing else that we could do as humankind to pay the price for the guilt of our own sins. Because without Christ, without that sacrifice of him, by him, on the cross, sent by God the Father to be that sacrifice, we're just sinners. And there would be nothing that we could do in and of ourselves, by ourselves, whereby we could become righteous. But through Christ, we have been given the opportunity to become righteous before God, declared to be so by God himself. And so there is God who sent Jesus to be the sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And through Christ then, as we come to him in repentance and surrender to him in the obedience of baptism, buried with him in those waters of baptism, fully immersed as he fully was put into the tomb after he died on the cross physically, we die in those 
in that grave of baptism, that watery grave, to the guilt of our sins. And as he came forth from that tomb, risen, alive, physically, we come forth from the grave of baptism, that watery grave, cleansed of our sins, no longer guilty, and stand righteous before God through the blood of Christ. What a blessing, what a loving God we have. We have Jesus then as we become Christians, baptized into Christ, we have Jesus as our advocate, standing before the throne of God in the throne room of heaven, pleading our case. And so when we do make those mistakes as Christians, now and then, here and there, mess up, commit a sin, we can go to God in prayer through Jesus in his name, seeking God's forgiveness. And Jesus is there as our advocate, pleading our case. And God has already promised to forgive. Going back to chapter 1 of 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 9, chapter 1, 1 John. Ah, how blessed we are to have such a loving God, to have such a loving Savior. Only God could make the way for us to be forgiven. Only God. Mankind could not come up with the way by ourselves. And there would be nothing that we could do because we would be the sinners. But God totally righteous, sent his son, and even living in human form upon this earth for those 33 or so years, totally sinless, totally pure, totally righteous, going to that cross and dying physically and carrying all of the guilt of all of our sins on his physical body as he died on that cross on our behalf. How blessed we are. How blessed we are. Well, then John goes on. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I love him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And that's repetition of what we read earlier in 1 John chapter 1, emphasized heavily there. People say, I love God, but they don't live righteously before God. They don't live according to his commandments. They don't, they're not obedient to his teachings. John says, if you say, I know him, and you're not keeping his commandments, you're not being obedient to his teachings, John says, you're a liar. Now, don't get mad at me for saying that. Get mad at God. It's his word. I'm just reading it. And the truth is not in you. Whoever keeps his word truly. Now, what does it mean by keep his word? It doesn't mean put it on a shelf someplace in your home. You're keeping your Bible up there in that shelf. It means you keep his word in the way of living by it obediently and consistently. 
Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. So if we want to show God that we truly love him, then we live by his teachings obediently and consistently. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Oh, in other words, obediently again. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you. Which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. To live obediently before God as being synonymous with being faithful to God and standing forgiven and righteous before God and accepted by him, that's not a new commandment. That's been around since the beginning of mankind, since God first created Adam and placed him in the garden. He told him in chapter 2 of Genesis, you see that one tree over there? That's the tree of life. You continue to eat the fruit of that tree, you'll live forever. You see that other tree over there? That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You stay away from that. Don't even touch its fruits. For if you eat the fruit of that tree, you'll die. We know what happened. Adam and his wife Eve disobeyed God, ate the tree, the fruit of the forbidden tree, and they became sinners. And everything changed. And the conscience of sinfulness became a part of the conscience of mankind. And that's why God had to send Jesus as the propitiation, as the Savior, to go to that cross and pay the price for our guilt, for our sin. We'll pick up with, chapter, uh, with verse 9 of chapter 2 next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. And guide us to live in such a way that we demonstrate our thankfulness to you for sending your Son to that cross on our behalf. Not just in word, but that we demonstrate it to you through our lifestyle of obedience to your teachings. We pray this, Father. Please forgive us. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.